is Chelsea. Hey, and this is Andrew. Welcome to Hugging and Learning. It's a podcast where we look back at very special episodes from the 80s and 90s and figure out if they still hold up today. Today, we are looking at an episode of the show Family Ties called Give Your Uncle Arthur a Kiss. The uh, season is season one and it's episode six. And you can watch this on Amazon Prime. It's included with your Amazon Prime membership. Uh, This originally aired on November 10th, 1982. And was written by series creator David uh, Gary David Goldberg and Lloyd Carver. And our snack today is some good old Albertsons yogurt trail mix. It's a little light on the yogurt, I'm noticing. Yeah, it's just there's some yogurt wrapped around four raisins. <laughs> it's mostly Ooh, there is four raisins. Congrats. Mostly dried pineapple and dried apricots, maybe, I'm and hoping. some peanuts and raisins and things. It's good though. It's yeah. good for energy and sweet tooth. Uh, so this is what we're snacking on today. It's trail mix. You guys know what that is. Yeah. It's Yogurt. Not- you heard of it? <laughs> get into it. Um, yeah, let's get into it. We have a lot to say about this we episode. Sure do. I'm going to go ahead and say right off the top that this is, of all the ones that we've watched and uh, talked about so far and the ones we've watched in preparation for this, probably the best written, best handled. Yes. Uh, very special episodes that we have run across thus far. The word appropriate comes to mind. Like Mm -hmm. this is the most appropriate handling of a subject matter, a deep affecting subject matter by a sitcom. So let's talk about what this series is about. Uh, Family Ties. Now, Chelsea, you had never seen this before. I had never seen this. And I thought I had because it was one of those things where uh, I was exposed to it in the zeitgeist and I thought Mm. I had watched it. And then when I sat down to watch it, I realized like, oh, I actually haven't watched this before. Um, but also this episode aired before I was born. So, you know. Hey, there's that. But uh, the the thing about Family Ties that I thought and what I gathered from the um, credits is that the Keaton parents were hippies and their son, uh, Michael J. Keaton, is a young Republican. And the opening credits seem to bear this out. Alex P. Keaton. Um, I said Michael J. You sure did. Keaton on purpose. So, that oh, was a you did. Joke that I made. Cool. It worked. It worked because you didn't laugh. Yeah, that's, that's the mark of a good joke. Now. Well, anyway. we're talking about how you've never seen this before. I've so. never seen it, but I knew Michael J. Fox was on it, and I knew that there was tension because he was like a buttoned-up uh, narc, and his parents were hippies. Yes. Uh, thinking about this episode, the the basic premise is yes, it's a family sitcom, but what's explored here is a family with varying political moral, idealistic viewpoints all coming together to cooperate as a family. Yeah. Happy parents, Re- Reagan Republican son, kind of a, a head-in-the-clouds older daughter, and a super precocious younger daughter. Yeah, I don't know what the tone of the most of the episodes... I mean, this is only season one, episode six, right? So... Um, it, honestly, it's mostly... You've got like a breakout star in Michael P. Alex and... See, there we go. <laughs> In that every episode sort of centers around, oh, look at this kid who's a Republican. It's a, it turns it on its head. Instead of Republican parents with a hippie kid, right. like you're all in the family, it's hippie parents with a Republican kid. Groundbreaking. So this is... <laughs> <laughs> So this is this mostly is like 1982. We are doing the best we can at this point. <laughs> so this is mostly like family hijinks. A hundred percent. Okay. With a political, you know, right. lean on it. All right. So uh, in, in the realm of that, then we open on a telethon of some kind. The dad works for P. 
PBS. Basically. So this is great because this is firmly in the ordinary world of the hero's journey. The dad, this is the dad's job reflects his value right. system. What's more ordinary than public television? But also the, he's a hippie. He works for PBS. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've got a lot of like hippie jokes to make. Uh, and public television jokes to make as well. Yes, and the uh, title is Give Your Uncle Arthur a Kiss, and I assume because TV laws that the first guy we see besides Dad is his work colleague, uh, the titular Uncle Arthur, and I am right. Uh, All the kids come in. So this is interesting because it's a family sitcom, but it's a lot of this is going to take place at Dad's workplace, and I don't know if that's typical of this show. Okay, so the kids all come in and they hug Arthur. They've known him since they were born. They like him. He's part of the family. He's worked with Dad for 14 years. This is all set up in the ordinary world. Arthur is an ally. He is not a threat. But, and I don't know if this is meant to be part of what brings us out of the ordinary world and sets us on the hero's journey. But Arthur is leaving his job. Yes. Arthur is retiring, which I feel... No, no, no. He's getting a different job. Oh, that's right. No, you're right. He's moving to a different station. Yeah, you're right. It feels as though that is a hint about what's going on with Arthur, that he's making changes, big changes in his life. But... It look this episode addresses very serious topics, and they can be forgiven by sort of skating over what's at the root of Arthur's problem. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that this is a flaw in the storytelling at all. I'm just pointing out that, like, even in the very, very beginning, the order of the ordinary world is being shaken up. This person is having a life change where he's not going to be dad's work colleague anymore. Um, Arthur immediately tells Mallory, who is 15, the daughter, the middle daughter, Mm -hmm. uh, played by Justine Bateman, uh, that she's getting cuter every day. At which point the family's like, we better leave Mallory alone. (laughs) Yeah. People leave the room one by one. Dad has to go see about a donation with some other coworker. And Arthur sends Alex to pick up some TV clips. And mom and little sister go to help Alex because they're in film canisters, which are heavy. And it seems almost by happenstance, this room is cleared out. There were more people there. Yeah. And now by the part design part happenstance, Mallory is left alone with Arthur. And uh, this is pretty creepy. Yeah. And again, he is just staring at her. He really is. It is. It's a sharp turn because we are barely into this episode and we're getting right to the, the fact of the matter, which is. Uh, Uncle uh, Uncle Arthur uh, makes his move on fifteen. He confirms that Mallory is fifteen right. years old. He gets super close to her, holds he her hands, holds both her hands. He asks her age. He says she says she's fifteen. He calls her a beautiful girl. We are four minutes. He calls her a beautiful young woman, and she says, "No, I'm a girl. I'm a girl." Yeah. Well, he says, "Girl." She's, and then he says, "Or should I say, young woman?" And she right. knows, "Girl, young girl," is yes. how she responds. Which you know makes me think Mallory instinctively knows something's oh, up. Oh, she with knows. This. Intuition is real. Yeah. Um, she tries, she says to him like, uh, tell me what to do. Should I answer phones? Or she's trying to get a job to break up the creep fest. Yeah. It's and real he weird. Says, good. And he says, give me a hug, yeah. which she does hesitantly to just make this be over. Right. Which is a thousand percent what happens in these situations, having been a 15 year old girl and you think this is going to make this stop happening. Yeah. Um, this is not consent in any way. She no. gives him a hug. He hugs her too long. He rubs her back. Laugh track. And then he pats her on her, on, on her behind. Yeah. Here's the thing that I'd like to, to point out. Speaking of laugh track, this is one of the most uh, appropriate laugh tracks I've ever heard on one of these episodes, uh, especially for the time at which this happens. They, It's a live audience, you can clearly tell, 
But most special episodes, the reason they feel so inappropriate is they do nothing about the laugh track. People are laughing at the most inappropriate mm-hmm. parts of it and they don't do anything. You know, they're laughing at, oh, that child molester said something creepy to a child. <laughs> In this one, like there's nervous sort of laughter when the hug goes on too long. And then that laughter cuts off when he touches her butt. Like there is an audible gasp or yeah. two in the audience. And, you know, I feel like that's throughout the episode. People are, you know, appropriately reacting in shock to right. what's happening instead of being like, boy, wacky Uncle Lou there. Yeah. Ugh. So she breaks away from him and leaves leaves the room. And um, I will say here, and I'll say it many times as we talk about this, This kind of bullshit attention from grown men when you're in that phase between childhood and adulthood is the reason or is a reason that girls develop eating disorders and wear baggy clothes and hide in their rooms. And it is just, it is something that every girl goes through at some point in time. 15 actually feels like a bit on the older side to have Mm -hmm. this happen. The first time a man I didn't know grabbed me from behind at a wedding reception, I was 10. Jesus Christ. Um, that sort of bullshit shuts girls down. It it teaches you that your body is for public consumption, um, that you don't own it, that anyone can grab it at any time without your consent, and you should always be on guard and, if possible, take up as little space as possible. Sure. And I um, get the impression from this episode, obviously. I have no experience with this on one side or the other. But from this episode, and especially the time of this episode and what's discussed later is men uh, who do this are kind of like, you know what? Um, a story, uh, a friend of mine, his wife, when they were, they just got married and they're having their first Thanksgiving together and they're talking about crazy relatives. And she tells this story that she fondly remembers about an uncle who used to come to Christmas every year. His name was uncle pockets. Crazy Uncle Pockets already. Yeah. Like Mallory, you already know something's up. Uncle Pockets was a neighbor who would always come to events, invited or not, and he would wear baggy pants with his pants uh, pockets filled with candy and pennies and have the children fish around in his pockets to get candy and pennies. And everybody just thought this was the craziest thing. What a wacky guy. Oh, my God. I know. So I think that... Basically, guys, older men are sort of given a, well, they're just joking around. There's excuses are made, and uh, women and young girls are made to feel responsible in some way, in some nebulous way that's never nailed down. Or that down. you're overreacting. It's total gaslighting, and we'll get yeah. to it in the next scene. But I will say that like this bullshit happens to every girl. Um, you It makes you feel dirty in a way you don't understand, mm. responsible, like you said. And then eventually, it never goes away. You just get numb to it. And I noted when I looked at this episode, because I had never seen this before, and I said, oh, great, two male writers don't yeah. even have a woman in the room. Yeah. Fucking great. Um, I will say, though, that they handled this super duper well. I would be interested to know... I feel like they must have talked to some women, we even can, if they weren't we can credited. Wistfully hope that there was a woman um, in the writers' room, but it is 1982, and yeah. it's very doubtful. Um, I would, I would love to see this handled again on some in some way on a current show written by women writers, or that would be great. But also, I will say that I applaud them for making 
this person a close friend of the family and not a stranger that popped out of the bushes. For sure. Because there are a lot of very special episodes of TV shows about bad touching, yeah. about child molestation, and that person is almost... I mean, Uncle Arthur is never seen again after this, but a lot of times that person has no connection to the protagonist or their family. This is just a random battle that comes out of nowhere and then gets what's coming to him hopefully at the end. But this is way more like what actually happens to almost everyone, which is that a person you've known your entire life suddenly decides that your body is his to do with as he wants. And you feel like because you know this person so well, you must be misinterpreting it. Right. So this happens between Arthur does this to Mallory and she, to her credit, and again, this is a sitcom, nobody's expecting acting Olympics here, but Justine Bateman, her look of hurt and confusion, so good. which happens throughout this episode, is astounding. Her acting is fantastic. It's perfect. So uh, we leave that situation. Arthur looks vaguely remorseful. Yeah, this is a call to adventure, but we don't quite know. Obviously, Justine is the one who's on a journey now. Yeah. Um, this this moment that she didn't ask for is a call to adventure. There's no refusal of the call because she can't, because the call is not something that can be refused, I would argue. Okay, well, the, we'll get to my feeling on that because this is an interesting turn for this episode to take, which is completely understandable. It's in keeping with what they're trying to say here. But the next scene, they're back at home in the kitchen, um, and Mallory pulls Alex aside. Yes, but and now we're in the special world. Right. Mallory yeah. is, you know, has been affected by this. She's changed yes. that kind of thing. She's on her journey now. Um, so she pulls Alex aside and I mean, it is a sitcom, so they have to have a lot of joking back and forth while Mallory tries to get to the point. Alex, oh my God, it was so frustrating. By the way, Alex is set up as the prototypical uh, Republican kid, and then the parents are set up as like the prototypical hippies. They make Republicans look like absolute shit in this episode. They make them look, you know, not just materialistic, but uncaring and unkind, opportunistic and lazy. It's astounding to me that it's like, you know, oh, yeah, we're, we're, well, both sides, they're crazy. Meanwhile, the parents are amazing. And right. Well, I will say that he's, this is, they're playing this off as typical Big Brother stuff, right? Yeah. And I will say to the writer's credit, Mallory comes right out once he lets her finish a sentence and tells Alex that Arthur made a pass at her. Like, she does not mince words. Yeah. She is straight up like, this happened, and I need your advice on how to deal with it. It's a good transition from quippy family sitcom stuff to, no, we need to talk for serious. And to the credit of the writing, Alex is like, fine, let's let's actually talk. Yes. But then he gives her, her terrible advice. He says there must be a reasonable explanation, and Mallory says, you're probably right, and he maintains, Alex maintains, that Arthur was just being friendly, even after she says, this grown man patted my ass. This is called gaslighting, folks. This is telling women that sexual aggressions are all in their head, they're overreacting. Mallory zero, rape culture one. Yeah, the the, the, what Alex takes, and I don't feel like... I don't think Alex is like, I'm going to get uncle Arthur off the hook. I think Alex is as much trying to fool himself as he is Mallory, uh, by saying like, Oh, well baseball players do that. I think he's grasping at straws, but I don't think it's a malicious thing. This is not his job to be handling this, to be fair. Yeah. He's not equipped to deal with this. Later on. He's like, he says as much. He's like, what am I doing here? Which is great. But yeah, this is terrible advice. And it's, 
and Mallory says she's relieved to be wrong. Right. And that Uncle Arthur would never do something like this, but she still seems disturbed because intuition is real. Like, she knows what happened. Um, This is all just kind of pasting over. Uh, And Which is why this is my idea of the refusal of the call. When Mallory takes the thing that she doesn't actually believe Mm -hmm. to be... You know, oh, you're probably right is as much a refusal of the call as anything I see. Yeah, I can get behind that. So we're in a special world now where Uncle Arthur is not an ally, but now he's a predator. And we're in a bigger special world for Mallory uh, at at the age of 15 where she knows now that she attracts attention from grown men. And unlike other heroic journeys, I would argue there is no getting out of this special world for her or any of us. She just lives there now. Absolutely. And and. More also on top of that point, since the the thesis of the episode is a family coming together to support them themselves each other despite their differences, Mallory is now outside of her family. Yes, Alex Everybody should be else, her ally. Absolutely, she's on be, her own. But he has convinced her that everything's fine. She still knows better, but the whole family is back to. Uncle Arthur's the greatest. We love him. The next, very next scene, Uncle Pederast is in the home. Jesus Christ! By the way. Yeah, no, I, that's that's literally the end of that sentence. Jesus Christ, by the way, and he's, he's in his home. And he's got his arm around the little sister. Yeah. He's sitting on the couch with his arm around the little one who must, what, she's supposed to be 10 or something? Maybe. Um, and this is typical abuser behavior. Grooming starts with the parents. Right. So, and then goes to the children. As far as the plot's concerned, Stephen needs to make a speech during the fundraiser, and he's practicing this. Uh, there's a back and forth where Stephen's like, you know, Pretty much begging for money. Uh, and Alex is like, if you want money, you can't just come right out and ask for it. Typical Republican, Ugh. liberal. This is PBS. Yeah, that whole thing. And then the family does what they do best and ditches Mallory uh, to be alone in the room with Arthur again. It's under the guise of leaning to go get dessert ready. Here come all of us except for Mallory. Um, yeah, they all leave the room, which seems weird because, I mean, it seems like Alex should at least stick around. Uh, since he knows that there might be something going on, but I guess this is just the the depth of his denial. I think so. Um, so. So everyone leaves the room to get dessert, and Mallory tries to get around Uncle Arthur, and he traps her in the room and says he wants under to talk the, to her. Yeah, under the guise of, I need to apologize for the weirdness right. yesterday, which seems sincere at the time. Yeah. This is where it gets convoluted, and we'll get more into this. Arthur seems genuinely to be apologizing, not with absolute sincerity, but he seems to want to actually apologize. He's like, I'm sorry about what was weird yesterday. I guess, but I would argue that he's, this is gaslighting. He's saying, I'm sorry if I'm, if you were uncomfortable, I never meant for that to happen. I only want to be your uncle Arthur. Right. Acting as though she can't trust her own instincts. Yeah. Um, so it's that thing of like, I'm sorry you got hurt as opposed to I'm sorry I hurt you. Right. Um, but she is eager to jump to this because she wants this to be over. And so she says, I'm sorry I jumped to conclusion. They shake hands. He grabs her face with both of his hands and kisses her full on the lips. Yeah, it's it's horrible. And again, a, a really appropriate audience reaction of gasps. Yeah, and this another is a good. bold move considering her parents are in the very next room yeah. coming back at any moment, but this guy is some special kind of sick. Well, I think that what struck me on the initial viewing of this episode was why won't they nail down what his motives are if he's, you know, if his intentions are consistent throughout or does he feel as though he's powerless in watching it again though, I I feel like 
it's not so much denying that there are any specific motivations as it is the motivations don't matter. A person's actions are what you exactly, need to be aware of. Exactly. It doesn't matter. There is no good reason for him to be doing this. Absolutely. We and are I, not going to sympathize with him. No, and we shouldn't. Um, and I think that that's a smart move instead of being like, if you set up this as, well, Uncle Arthur was abused himself, you make the lesson, hey, watch out for people who have been abused themselves. Right, which, good luck spotting them. Yeah, exactly. It's more, hey, there are some reasons here, but you know who knows how deep they go, and who fucking cares? Uncle Arthur's a goddamn creep. Right. Watch out for that goddamn creep. So, so and Mallory, I think in a bad move. Uh, and again, Mallory's reaction is amazing as she leaves the room, and then Arthur slaps his forehead. Yeah, he's not concerned that she's going to run in the next room and inform her parents. Clearly, as he just sits back down on the couch yeah. and presumably stays for dessert, he smacks his it head. Stays for dessert, by the way. He smacks his head in the way that you would if you had just blown it with that super cool chick you're trying to get a date with. Yeah, like, it's a boy. What a dunce slash child molester I am. It's a really casual reaction. It really is. Um. Oh, I'm a ding dong. Uh, it's. It's just bad. Should have gone for more butt touching. That oh was my that was God. my big mistake there, um, Arthur. So I you would pederast. Uh, so I would argue that this is a test for Mallory on her journey. Yeah. Um. She. This is a test. She has a moment. She could say something to her parents, uh, but she doesn't. She says nothing to them. Um. Although she clearly knows something is wrong, and I would argue this is totally in character because internally. She is assuming it must be partly her fault, which right. is the thing that you do when this happens. Sure. Um, and so she, uh, she she runs out of the room, but she doesn't go tell her parents. And the next person she talks to about this is Alex. Right. Again, goes back to Alex. And uh, we are, by the way, now in Act 2. The, the Arthur slapping his head like Fred Flintstone when he burned dinner. Uh, is our act break. Um, so we're in act three now. We're in the living room. Steven's back to practicing his speech. And he's decided to say a few kind words about Uncle Arthur, which makes Mallory uh, obviously upset. Yes. But also shows how separated she is again from her family. So family walks away from Mallory. Mallory pulls Alex aside again. And, you know, we have... A, a similar moment to what we had before, but Alex very wisely is like, you know what? Turns out I'm just a kid. Yeah. Let me get mom. And he even admits there's a problem once he says, when she says, he kissed me, pedo uncle Arthur kiss me. Yeah. And, uh, he says, uh, are you okay? Which is super great. Sure. Nice thing to ask. And she says, I guess so. Yeah. But clearly she's very disturbed. And then his advice as an untrained teenage boy is to punt the ball to mom, which is the it's best possible solid. thing he could have it done. Is because he has fucked this up and he is not going to fuck it up again. Right. And he screams at mom and Mallory doesn't at first kind of want to tell her mom. And I would argue that trying to come think about it from her point of view. If you share this with your brother, then it's a kooky thing that happened. Yeah. If you share it with your mom, then it's a really big deal. There are consequences to sharing this with a parent, yeah. which again, you can't be like, well, she shouldn't, she should be doing that. It's scary to 
have a situation that you don't understand yeah, and be like, well, I need to bring somebody who dishes out consequences mm-hmm. into this yes. when I don't, Great. when part of my feeling is what did I do? Exactly. And, and the first thing she says is don't be mad at me for saying this. Yeah, exactly. And it's, this is just like, it's so heartbreaking, but it's proof that she thinks that this is somehow her fault. The 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 biggest benefit to this episode is Elise Keaton, mm-hmm. a character who does not fuck around. No, and I will say that Uncle Arthur might be the antagonist, the monster, but the archetype of the shadow in this episode is her own feelings, her own sense of that she's played a part in this. The thing she's wrestling with is her own feelings. Um, it's it's kind of cloudy because this is real life and not a sort of straight, in a real way. It's sure. not a straightforward narrative, but it's not, and it's not very clearly articulated, but the reason she doesn't run screaming to her parents right off the way you would if an actual monster were after you yeah. is that she feels complicit in this and her feelings that, that she caused this are the things she ultimately is going to have to deal with and keep dealing with for the rest of her life. Absolutely. And that's that's a point that's brought up later. Now, this is my uneducated opinion, but do we consider, as far as archetypes are concerned, since Arthur isn't the shadow archetype, is he a shapeshifter type yeah, archetype? Yeah, he's definitely a shapeshifter because he's supposed to be an ally, but he's yeah. actually a predator. Okay, exactly. So, yeah. which makes the whole thing a lot more confusing yeah. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, um, to her mother's benefit, I mean, uh, to... To her benefit, her mother believes her instantly. Yeah, for sure. First question is, did he hurt you? And And Mallory's response is amazing. No, but he scared me. Yeah, and she starts crying. Yeah. Clearly, she's been holding that in. Right. Um, And she's embarrassed, and her mother holds her and tells her not to be embarrassed. She didn't do anything wrong. And I wrote in all caps in my notes, good work, writers. Yeah, good work, Elise Keaton. Uh, I'll just give it to Elise Keaton instead of the bunch of male writers who were involved in this. Great. So, look, this, this moment between Mallory and Elise is a little bit longer than your normal sitcom scene would be. Yeah. But it's still a pretty brief exchange in which they go over so much. They go Mm -hmm. over, how do you feel? Are you okay? I'm embarrassed and I'm scared. This is so you have to talk to me about this because this is something that people don't talk about. Yeah, which is such a great point. Exactly. It's it is addressing how difficult this issue is to confront by saying this has been going on for so long, we have to confront it, uh, even though it's uncomfortable. Yes, because uh, because Mallory doesn't want to confront him. Not at all. And that's totally valid. And um, her mother says, these things happen too often to pretend they don't exist. And then her mother says, this exact thing happened to me, and I didn't report it. Yeah. I, at this moment... Mallory says, what did you do? And her mom says, I went upstairs and watched American Bandstand, did the twist, and the audience fully laughs. Well, I mean, that's discomfort. Yeah. This isn't, you know, uh, however many episodes we've recorded so far, this isn't our usually like, look at this crazy nonsense that happened on 80s television. I think it's important to point out right now, this is the best special episode that we've seen out of all of the ones that we've watched thus far. By a long shot. By a country goddamn mile. (laughs) Yeah, good for these writers, good for these actors. Right. So if there, I feel like there's a couple of things to, you know, point out as, wow, that's crazy. But if this seems like a less than hubris episode, it's because they did a really good job. And now we're just talking about a lesson, you know, appropriately applied and something that's important to be discussing. So yeah. And in the way of like, we joke about, do these have, 
very special episodes have anything to teach us as adults. Yeah. I'm now, I don't have children. I'm of age where I could have children. Maybe one day I will have children. This is just as good a very special episode for parents to watch. Sure. To figure out how to talk about this with their kids as right. it is for kids to watch to know this isn't something you're going through alone yeah. and you need to talk to someone about it. And look, uh, having grown up in the time where Stranger Danger was like first impressed on my specific age group and generation, the the nuances weren't there at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, this time period, nuances aren't there. It's watch out for people pretending to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. Be afraid of strangers. Mm-hmm. It isn't your fault. And, and this, this is one, good because he's not a stranger. Not at all. And uh, mom says to Mallory in this conversation, this happened to me when I was your age. It was a family friend. Yeah. I thought it was my fault or I misinterpreted what he did. I didn't tell anyone. And Mallory says, I don't want to confront him. I'm scared. And her mom says... If I talk to him, maybe I'll talk to him instead of your dad, which is the one misstep, but it it sets up a thing that happens later. But she says, I'll talk to him, and if we don't confront him, he will do this to you again, or he'll do it to some other girl. Exactly, yeah. And she says, this is not going to be easy. She straight up says, this won't be easy, but it will be taken care of. It's just- Check, 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 all the boxes. Perfect. All the way along the line. Like, I feel relieved by Elise Keaton- who again? Yeah. I feel taken care of as an audience member. Yeah, in because this moment, at least Keaton doesn't fuck around. Right. So now we go to the supreme ordeal, the climax, the big battle, the showdown, um, right. which is interesting because, and it necessarily has to be this way. Maybe I want to walk back some of my comments about the shadow not being Uncle Arthur. Mm. The hero is not part of this climax. No. The hero will come back. There's an act three. There's more stuff we'll talk about. But in this outing of Uncle Arthur as a pedophile, which is what's about to happen, the confrontation, this is all the parents, specifically the mother. Yeah. Which I think is fucking fantastic that it's the mother and not the father because she has experience with this herself. Sure. Um, And she does not let him off the hook and she does not go easy on him. Not so at all. yeah. They okay. Are, so let's set this up for, right. okay. So the pledge drive is on the air live. Yes. Mom, Elise has not told dad that his great, good pal, Arthur is a pederast. She comes rushing in. Where the fuck is Arthur? Yeah. She's laser focused. I wrote in my notes in all caps. Why did she not tell him they were all at home? And then, Holy shit, are we about to out this man live on TV? Yeah. Um, and yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, so now, so there's, it's the typical setup for a telephone where there's a host down front and a phone bank, two levels of phone banks behind yeah. him. And, and just Arthur to, is just sitting to at point a f- out something, there are too many phones ringing, by the way. Yes. It is like a barrage of phone calls that public TV does not get. And uh, Arthur is sitting at a phone, going to yep. answer the phone. And uh, his lapels are as wide as a football field. <laughs> Mom starts confronting him, and we don't hear it, because it's happening at the phone bank in the background, and we're focused on right. Dad in the foreground doing a, his pitch. It's a classic bit. And I mean, we've just had a very heavy scene, so I guess we're trying to break it up with humor. Steven's in the foreground giving his pitch. It's all on him for a second, and then we pan to the right and see Elise fucking tearing into Arthur yeah, in the background. Yeah, she's screaming at him. He keeps trying to answer the phone, which is ringing, and she keeps hanging it up and eventually rips it out of the wall. Yeah. And then she's shaking him bodily and yelling, you won't get away with this, buddy. And then, meanwhile, Stephen, Stephen is saying, let's meet, you know, our one of our telephone operators, Arthur, blah, 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 blah. Here he is. And then we get this phenomenal moment where... He does. He asks Elise, "What are you doing?" And she screams. Stephen Arthur tried to seduce our daughter and pushes Arthur off a chair. Phenomenal. 
Uh, it's awesome. A, it's oddly satisfying. It Huge is. laughs from the audience. Yes. Um, it's yeah. a relief at this point. And then they do a quick zoom into Steven because hilarious. Because it's still a fucking gonna sitcom. What's he going to say? Like, what's yeah. he going to say? And he's yeah. Like, ah. And he says nothing. And we go to commercial. And the reward consequences come in here. End of act two of the hero's journey. The truth is out. Mm. I'm hoping Arthur's not going to be left alone with any other girls. In best case scenario, he'll lose his new job. Yeah. I hope so, but none of that's actually addressed. No. So we go from that to sort of behind the scenes moments later, and Stephen and Elise have clearly discussed this with Arthur. We're on the tail end of that discussion. They ask Arthur for an explanation, and Arthur gives one. And this is troubling, but I argue again that this is fine. What what he says is is better than something more specific. This is a great, this is another scene that is handled so well because he puts up a lot of very weak defenses of himself. Yes. Any one of which the writers could have used as an off ramp out of this very difficult conversation and they do not let themselves off the hook. Not at all. So he says that he's been acting, Arthur says, I've been acting crazy since my divorce. Mm -mm. I've been. Before that, he tries to throw Mallory under the bus and say it didn't happen that way. Oh, shit, you're right. The first thing he says is, it didn't happen that way. They say, "Why? how could you do this? And he says, I didn't. And Ugh, then, you're right. then they say, you kissed our 15-year-old daughter on the lips. Yeah. And he says, oh, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. I admit that. Right. Um, so immediately, he's still trying to get out of it. Right. And then he throws up, yeah, I guess in that context, he throws up the excuse, I've been acting crazy since uh, our divorce. Yeah, my dad, I'd forgotten that specific part. Yeah, this changes the whole thing. He says, uh, yeah, you know, since my divorce, I've been acting crazy and dressing young. I guess that's part of it. And it's like, that's not, that's yeah. not. And Elise shouts, other people get divorced, other people get older, and they don't do what you did. Exactly. And points to the show for exploring the obvious owls, as I said. But like, uh, this is great because then Arthur says, I'm sorry. And she says, do you think that's enough? Yeah. And it ends like this confrontation is sticky. It is not nailed down. And before you leave, Stephen says, you need to get professional help. Yeah. And he says, um, Arthur does this little monologue about how he used to have it. He used to have the best life and he was the best producer and he knew everything and he had this great a wonderful thing and now he's screwing everything up and the dad says would you stop making this about yourself for a moment yeah absolutely which is holy shit it's a fucking home run the writing of this I mean everything is exactly exactly what needs to be said and then he's Arthur finally says I guess I got a big problem and dad says get professional help and Arthur says I will Um, in terms of the hero's journey this whole section so normally when we have a very special episode or any sort of sitcom that follows the hero's journey pretty tightly. We don't get any of this stuff after the climax. No, it is. We'll go back to normal. You won't see that. Exactly. We'll see you next week. We'll never refer to this again. This, this is a section of the hero's journey that I, I think this is the section of the hero's journey called the road back where the hero is pursued by dark forces stirred up by seizing the sword. Yeah. And this is, like Chelsea said, this is very rare. It's usually sort of understood that characters are changed, but they won't comment on that change. You'll never see it because we right. have to reset next week. And very boldly, again, for the, the time that this was made, they spend a second to make sure we know that the characters are different now. Yeah. First things first, fucking the, uh, for the fifth time in this episode, the family leaves and Mallory finds herself alone with oh, Arthur. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then Arthur fucking talks to her at all. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, back to the comedy. Telefine's falling apart. Dad needs to be back on stage. Ugh. Family crisis be damned. It's fine. Um, we need this. It's it's more of a segue than it is anything else. But we, I no, I would argue we need this because it's her journey, and she can't just miss the end of it. No, as much as fair. it makes my skin crawl that yeah. this has to happen, um, and I would call this section the resurrection, which is something we hardly ever get in the hero's journey in a sitcom Explain where that. the hero is reborn and cleansed before reentering the ordinary world. So there's this idea sometimes that when you fight monsters, you have to be purified before you go back into regular society. Sure. Um, so that's what happens here. Uh, Arthur and Mallory are alone again. He says he's sorry. He's embarrassed. She looks at him stone faced. She doesn't say anything. She does not give him any absolution. Right. Um, he tells her he has a problem. He's going to get help and hopes one day that she'll forgive him and things will be the same. And he can be her uncle Arthur again. And then he holds out his goddamn hand he to wants her. Any sort of physical contact with her, which is fucking ridiculous. She says nothing and leaves him hanging. Um, thank God, because touching him would undermine everything they've done right. Yeah. Uh, and then dad comes back in, sees this. Arthur runs out, of course. And Mallory says they were just talking and she's okay. Uh, and this, dad hugs her. Yeah. And this is the most poignant part of this episode because we are, instead of a rote lesson about you know, here's what you should do when people touch you weird, or here's what you should watch out for. Here are warning signs of strangers. They don't do that. They talk about the effects of the events on themselves and their family. Mallory asks, why did he do it? And Steven says, I don't know why he did it. He probably doesn't know why he did it, Mm -hmm. which is as good an answer as you're going to get about this situation. And only, again, reinforces the idea that it doesn't matter why he did it. He did it. That's the problem. Right. And she says, and and then her dad says, why didn't you come to me right away? And she says, he's your good friend. And the dad responds, you're my daughter. Nothing is more important to me than my family ties. Not my work, not my friends, nothing. Nothing. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he says, Shalala. Yeah, yeah. And they end the episode like they do every time. Somebody says Shalala and it's over. No. Uh, and I think that that goes back to the central theme. It's like, it doesn't matter what's different about us or what journeys we take in our lives as far as work or ideas or whatever. Yeah. Family is, is central to us. Miles has an interesting theory about this episode, which is would you like to share it with us, audio engineer slash director Miles? Sure. You, I was just. Uh, thinking about what you said about uh, how the hero doesn't go in and actually confront Arthur. And it's up to the parents. And I would argue that the hero of this journey is the family. That's a solid point. Yeah. I mean, really, that's that's something that sitcoms attempt to do. And then they make a central character out of your Steve Urkels or your Alex P. Keatons. Yeah. Um, But really, this one comes back to it. And... Here's they could leave it at that. That would yeah. be a typical family episode. Nothing that's more important than my family. Then they say the best thing ever. Oh, it's so great. So good. He says, "You used to tell me everything." And she says, "I'm older now. It's not as easy." Boom. Oh my Solid God. Fucking goosebumps, y'all. And then they say, <laughs> I, mean, I love you, real. and the audience claps. And it's just like, this is why I say we don't, she's never going back to the no. ordinary world. She's older now. This is her life now. Yeah. Um, and all he can say is, I'm here with you on this journey. I'm sorry, I can't take it for you. Yeah. But I'm here with you by your side, and I always will be as long as I'm you're alive, you know? You know, and this is like the heyday of special episodes. This is where we in this podcast are going to explore so many special episodes from the early to mid eighties and they are going to be a, a mine 
of like, wow, what ridiculousness they tried to do yeah. here. Here's an episode where everybody's laughing at the bad things that are happening. Or here's where they're like, we've got to tell too many jokes to actually get a point across. Right. And this episode is just perfectly balanced. Yeah. Good on you, Lloyd Garver and Gary David Goldberg. Um, fantastic. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, as I said. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this at a high watermark. I don't know, just based on my... TV knowledge. I don't know if there's going to be an episode that does it better than this. I don't the, know. We'll find out. This may be the most special we episode. Have, we may have peaked this early in the podcast. <laughs> so goodbye forever. Yeah, everybody. that was fun. That was fun while so it lasted. So let's, uh, let's talk about this. What did we What did we learn? And can you distill that down to one sentence if possible? Dude, I don't know if I can. I learned so much or I confirmed so much. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to take it outside of our our normal thing and you know what I learned from watching this episode? Very special episodes can work. Very special episodes can work if they're yeah. done in a proper nuanced intelligent way because my thesis going into this entire podcast was I can't wait to joke about yeah, goofiness. Yeah. And here we are where I'm like, wow, that was great. Yeah. That's the same thing that I learned because my thesis going into this was, yeah, let's goof about goofy things. And also I'm, I don't like to just straight up criticize things that mm. I feel like there's enough of that in the world. There's enough of that on the internet and in podcasts. And now I realize, like, oh, when this works, it works really well. And I'm excited to be able to bring these kinds of things to people's attention. You know, you're clearly going to continue to be the expert on the hero's journey aspect of this. But, you know, even not being as well versed in that as you are, I can tell that this one hits beats consistently yeah, that have does. to do with the hero's journey. And incorporate much more than than most of the other episodes. It's a well crafted story. So good. So um, God bless you. Oh, and and who would you hug in this oh, episode, Mallory. Mallory? But also mom, because good job, mom. Yeah, I would hug Elise Keaton like like nothing else. I <laughs> wish I wish. Good no, job. that sounds weird. Uh, let's try that again. <laughs> I would I would definitely hug Elise Keaton. Yeah, She's tell the mother, her good job, good momming. Mother, I never had, and congratulate her for never fucking around. Good job. All right, thank you for joining us for this very special episode of Hugging and Learning. I'm Chelsea. I'm Andrew. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!